Hey everyone. Come on. Hello. I'm not a preacher, so I need encouragement. Pardon? Thank you. I'll try. Um, I get the privilege of kicking off this uh, series on worship, which I'm really excited about. Well, actually, Mark kind of started it a little bit, setting some context last week. If you weren't here uh, last week, listen to his sermon. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm going to say it's probably top three that he's preached since he's been here. Um, talking about God's grace over us and our stamp of approval on our hearts. It's the perfect way to start our series into worship. Uh, but before I begin uh, getting into this, I, I kind of want to share with you some, some moments on video that have, have just really impacted my journey uh, as a worship leader over the years. Um, so I just want to share it with you now in the hope that it will impact you guys in the same way, kind of to set the scene for this, for this sermon. So, Deb, if you could play the video. So yeah, they're from uh, an Instagram thing called uh, Worship Fails, which encourages me daily. I tell you, I, I break out in cold sweats just watching those videos, just in dread that they're going to happen to me. Um, I, tried to, I tried to find a, a favorite one I found recently was this, this sweet lady, just totally into the worship. And I guess um, the first verse was talking about the King of Glory, and the second verse was talking about the King of Heaven. And she just sang... We worship you, the King of Harry. I'm going I'm to do that one day, I just know it. Anyway, worship. Worship is a rather large subject, so I'm not even going to attempt uh, to cover most of it tonight. It's the chief end of man, um, according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is basically a, an FAQs for the, uh, the peasants in the Middle Ages when they weren't sure uh, what to believe about something, they go and ask the minister and the minister would tell them. Uh, so worship, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our reason for being. We are created and adopted into his family to the praise of his glory, it says in Ephesians. C.S. Lewis wrote in an, in an essay about praise, um, how surprised he was that it's just a natural progression when you enjoy something to begin praising it, so you, or him or her, so if you enjoy your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your children or your grandchildren or your Apple Watch or your computer or your car, you enjoy it, you begin to kind of speak out good things about it, how much you love it or them. So that's, a, that's our chief end, that's what we're created to do. Um, actually, speaking of praise, and, and uh, while I'm up here and I have the mic and no one can stop me talking, um, I just want to take a moment to, to thank you guys for, for going on the journey, this is a serious moment, it's not a joke, uh, for going on the journey with me of worship. I've been here, was it seven years now? Seven years. And it's been a great journey. There have been some moments that have been real pinnacles in my life of, of worship. And it's been, cause I, it's been with you guys. It's been as a family together that I've experienced that. And uh, also the band the band that uh, come with me when I meander through worship songs, just their faithfulness and their, and their loyalty is incredible. Um, the worship leaders that, that, that lead with us, Claire isn't here and Damien and others. And also the unsung heroes at the back. If you can lift it up for those guys because without them, yeah, our worship would be a disaster, really. 
So anyway, worship is our chief end, it's everything that we're supposed to do. So obviously I can't cover that tonight. So I've been praying and thinking about it and I felt like God gave me two things um, that um, they're short, they're sweet, they're simple. You probably know them already, but I feel like God gave them to me to kind of remind you guys and encourage you tonight. So there are only two things, so I couldn't make an acronym out of them, which I know is a, a favorite thing to do at SML. But hopefully God will still speak through me even though I couldn't create an acronym out of them. Well, the acronym would be YUM. So um, let God speak to you through that. So kind of to set context, why do we worship? Aside from the, 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 the reason I gave earlier that we were created to it, why do we worship? So this is a question for you guys. Why don't you turn to the person next to you, give them the top two or three reasons why you think the top reasons that we worship. So go, go talk to people. Thanks, buddy, yeah. <laughs> All right, great. Is anybody brave enough to shout out some reasons? Well, we've got the chat going. Because God loves it. Changes our perspective. Fantastic. Pardon? <laughs> to affirm what we believe, yeah, I can hear. <laughs> to affirm what we believe. To be closer to God. Is that what you said? Yep. Opens our hearts. Fantastic. I don't, I don't think I really need to preach much tonight. You guys have got it. I give you my top reason. It's not the top reason. It's my top reason that we worship. It's because he's worthy. He's worth it. There's, to me, there's no other reason other than he's worthy. In Revelation 4, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Jesus is the most valuable, precious person and gift we will ever encounter or receive. He's the beginning and the end. Everything goes through him and everything starts and ends with him. He's our salvation, our hope, our peace, our refuge, our shelter, our stronghold, our light. He's our everything. Um, one of my favorite verses uh, is in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 63, where it says, his love is better than life. Can you imagine that? Can you just chew on that for a moment? His love is better than the breath we breathe and the life we have. His love is bigger and better than that. It's a fantastic psalm. Um, I wrote a song about it once, but it never, it never uh, saw the light of day, thankfully, because it was terrible. Um, there's another verse in, in Revelation 5. Deb, can you whack that one up? Let's say this one together. Just kind of declare together the reason we worship. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So that's the, that's the main reason to me that we worship. We don't worship because we feel good. We don't worship because everything is peachy. We worship because he is worthy because of the truth of who he is. And you know, as we outwardly express these truths, as we declare who he is, how incredible he is, his promises towards us, 
how those truths that we sing about are greater than our brokenness and the world collapsing around us, we find ourselves coming into agreement and to alignment with those words that we're saying. We start to affirm those truths and begin to align ourselves with them. I am a child of God. You are my living hope. There's so much power in agreement when we sing these words. What we agree with begins to shape our life, begins to have authority in our life. You know, in James it says, um, he talks about the tongue, about our words, how we speak, and he gives a a few metaphors for them. He talks about the tongue being a rudder and how the rudder steers the ship. The words we speak steer the ship, steer the course of our lives. You know, if, in the opposite direction, if we, if we hear lies about us or, or we start to believe lies about ourselves, we tell ourselves things, we start to agree with them, and the course of our life can start to change direction. If we start to believe the truth about who God is, about his purposes for us in our lives, again, our lives start to change direction as we declare them with our mouths. Let me put that perhaps a little bit more biblically. And this is my first point, the context of, of, of what I've just been talking about, the, the main reason that we worship, uh, being because he is worthy, leads me to my first point, is that you become what you behold. You can tell I spent ages working on the PowerPoint. It's creative. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, that's the, the next verse, Deb. In 2 Corinthians, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we spend time praising, as we spend time worshipping, adoring, that's exactly what we're doing. We're beholding him. Another version says, uh, it's the NIV, the normally inaccurate version, says, we contemplate, that was a joke, that's not what it means. It says, we contemplate, we contemplate him. And when we, when we spend time in his presence, in worship, that's exactly what we're doing. We're contemplating him, we're beholding him. And as we do that, as we sing out the words of God, of who he is, of who we are in him, by his spirit, he begins that process of transforming us from one degree of glory to the next. So I believe that God, in his infinite love, his grace, his wisdom and his mercy, he kind of turns back worship as a blessing for us. Now let me be clear here, as I set the context earlier, um, worship is not a means to an end. We worship because he is worthy. That's the reason. But God, in his goodness, in his kindness, in his amazing love for us, he turns it around as a blessing. And as we spend time in his presence, we are transformed from glory to glory. Obviously, I don't think that happens only in worship, in, in sung worship. You know, we are contemplating him, hopefully, in many other ways, when we meditate, when we pray, when we hang out with people and talk about him, when we're washing the dishes, maybe. But as we spend time, I, I just think it happens more effectively here in worship in praise because we're speaking truths and we're allowing those truths to have authority in our lives. So yeah, worship is not a means to an end. 
Um, I mentioned C.S. Lewis earlier, right? Yeah. So in that same essay about praise, you know, he's saying it's amazing how um, when we enjoy something, we just naturally move into praise. But he said, but if you say, for example, praise your wife in order, in order that she makes you a nice dinner, things are not going to go well for you. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say exactly like that. But it's just, we, we don't, praise is not a means to an end. We don't praise in order. That's manipulating. So what does being transformed look like? What does becoming what we behold look like? I mean, that's a sermon in and of itself. It reminds me a little bit of, um, have you guys seen The Matrix? Classic uh, movie to preach on. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a, it's a sci-fi film about a, a fake reality that all humans live in and Neo is the, the star character and he takes this pill and everything changes. And he sees the reality of the world that, that they're living in. I think it's the same for us in a certain sense. As we worship, we might have been going through our week just trudging. You know, our lives are full of ecstasy and tragedy, boredom and, and fun and love and laughter and silence and loneliness. And, and we can get kind of, our eyes can get blinkered into the life that we're leading. But I think um, one element of being transformed uh, from one degree of glory to the next is um, as we worship God lifting our eyes and changing our perspective, like we're taking that pill and we're seeing the reality of the kingdom that we're actually living in, the kingdom that supersedes uh, the kingdom that we kind of see around us in the flesh. And it lifts us up. And, you know, not to belittle the, the hard things that we go through, but just seeing them in God's light can change everything. Um, an example for me um, in the fairly recent past uh, I think most of you know, um, I'm just going to grab a drink. My beautiful wife, Mal, we just had our uh, second child, Savannah, Vanzi. You may have seen her up here dancing like a mad fool. Um, we just had her and Mal started getting headaches. And uh, fast forward a few weeks, a couple of months maybe. And um, I think it was in the middle of a service. I had to take her to hospital. And then she got blue-lighted to Southampton. Fast forward another few weeks, and, and she was diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer. And um, my world fell apart at that point. Andy and, and the staff were incredible. They gave, me, uh, they gave me time off so I could care for, for Mal and look after the family. <clears throat> um, and eventually I came back to leading worship after a little, a little time out. I felt like I should come back. And man, I did not want to. There was so much emotions uh, running through me. I was angry, I was confused. You know, I can't even describe how I was feeling really. <clears throat> but I have to say, those moments of worship for me were the most precious I've ever had in my life. Once I made that decision, um, we had we released released we'd introduced a couple of new songs um, around that time, the goodness of God and living hope. Um, and I can't remember which song it was, but at some point uh, they were, they were both very powerful for me. Just those words really spoke to me. Um, at some point, I 
I lost it. I could not sing. I had to turn around. I was bawling. And I heard Mr. Perry. Um, Mr. Perry is a very, very talented person. I would not put singing at the, at the top of those talents. But I turned around. I couldn't sing. And he just belted it, the chorus. Still a bit raw, I guess. And I felt like he pulled you guys with him. And I just heard you guys singing when I couldn't. That for me was um, being transformed from glory to glory. As I realized the truth of those words that we sang as a family together. How much they meant to me. Ooh, excuse me. She is healed. Hallelujah. <laughs> she is healed. She is healed. Ooh, shake that off. All right, that's my first point. One point down, halfway there. Oh, we're halfway there. Take my hand, we'll make it, I swear. Come on. Uh, let's make it a game. Let's make it a game. I'll, um, I'll sing the first line of a song and you finish it. We'll start easy. We wish you... <laughs> and I will... Na 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 Hey, that's uh, way too easy. Why? Ooh, that one's a bit trickier, huh? Sweet. Okay, let's make it more church. Come on. Um. How? Come on, keep going. Come thou. Ooh, that was a tricky one. Come thou fount of every. Yeah. Here I am to. Speeding up a bit there, speeding up a bit. I bet everybody has a song in their lives um, that signposts to a really pivotal moment in their life. Music is so powerful. Um, It can really highlight a moment in your history. Uh, One of the first ones I remember is I was a lot younger. I was about 14, I'm going to say 14. It was the Christmas holidays and my first girlfriend had uh, left for the holidays. And this new song came out by E17. Do you guys know this song? Stay now, baby, if you've got to go away. Don't think I can take the pain. It's a, it's a Christmas classic now. It's in the Amazon Prime Christmas classic playlist. So I've got good taste. 
Okay, turn to the person next to you and give them a couple songs that have been pivotal, or music that has been pivotal in your life, in your life history. Go. Okay, you can carry on discussing them later, singing them later. There, there is a point to all this, I promise. The, the second point, the final point of my sermon tonight, why music? And the answer is because it's totes emotion. Again, I, I really tried hard on the... Uh, Totes emotion, guys. So given the context of this, the first, the first reason I think we're called to worship God is because he's worthy. The second reason I think uh, we should be worshipping is because he's asked us to. He tells us to. He calls us to. There are over 400 sing in, uh, in the Psalms. And uh, a lot of praise as well calls for us to worship and praise. I think he created this vehicle of music which is so powerful emotionally for our benefit and our pleasure to enable us to praise. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We've got another preacher lined up for the series. Amen. So praise is distinct from worship a little bit. It's like a subgenre, if you will. In that it has to be outward and it has to be expressed. Um, I did a little bit of research on it. There is one verse that talks about praising in silence. There are no other verses about praising in silence or meditation or, or, or that kind of thing. They're all outward. They're all expressive. They all include, well, a lot of them include music. There are several words for pray, praise in Hebrew in the Old Testament. And they range from your, your bog standard to healer, which means to sing, praise. And then they move on a little bit to shabach, which is praise loudly. And they end neatly with halal, which literally means to praise shining like a mad fool. And halal is actually one of the root words of hallelujah, halal ya. So hallelujah literally means praise God madly. Madly. Yes. Um, I'm a musician by trade. I, I do this part-time and um, my other job, I'm a producer. I have a, a business partner in, in Brooklyn and New York, and, and we, um, we write music for artists. We produce albums for artists, and we write music for TV and for film. Um, I've, I've loved music my whole life. Um, when I was in school, um, my teacher, this, this is kind of how I got into the composition thing. My teacher played me a video of a scene of a film and he put different kinds of music under the scene um, to kind of show the power and the emotion of music and how it can change the impetus, change even the meaning uh, and the emotions of a scene. So I just um, scramble one together for you guys tonight. It's a bit of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's, it's PG. It was you. Um, and, and, and there's um, the original music to start with. 
And then I've done, I think, three other kinds of music afterwards. It's about two minutes long. So I just want, I just want you to watch it and, and, and kind of see what you think is Johnny Depp, is the, is the pirate dude. Um, see what you think he is thinking and feeling when you watch the different scenes. Isn't it amazing how just um, looking at his face, especially I found when with the different music playing, you, you're thinking of the things that he's thinking and feeling, and they're different with the, uh, with the different music playing. So that got me really inspired. That kind of thing got me really inspired to go into composition and to write music in the first place. But I think it's a really good uh, kind of way of emphasizing how powerful music is um, to affect our emotions. Harvard Medical School did a huge study on music and emotional health. Here's a bit of the conclusion of it. Music allows people to express their feelings and to communicate with others. More than simply expressing emotions, it can alter them. I think that's incredible. I don't know if you've ever been, to, I've, I've been to lots of gigs uh, where I've, I've arrived feeling one way and left feeling a completely different way purely because of the music. I remember one of my friends at university, we went to an amazing uh, classical concert. Um, it was like classical jazz combo thing at, at Birmingham. And she was so excited at the end, she jumped in a water fountain and broke her ankle. <laughs> Which she probably wouldn't have done had she not gone to the gig. Pretty cool, huh? Music. So I think when God commands us to sing and he commands us to praise with musical instruments, he knows all too well that the music will allow us to express ourselves better. God commands us to love him with every fiber of our being. Soul, strength, spirit, mind. That includes our emotions. We don't want to get into emotionalism. It's not about having the feeling. It's about him. It's always about him. But I think God deliberately calls us to worship with music so that we can express easier. One more point about music before I finish. Back to the, um, back to the songs that we were singing earlier. I think music is one of, if not the best, mnemonic there is. Um, what's a mnemonic? <laughs> Apart from being probably the hardest word to speak in the English language. It's a pattern that we use to remember things. So... When you're growing up and you want to remember the compass, never eat shredded wheat. That's a mnemonic. Everyone say mnemonic. <laughs> Americans say, never eat slimy worms. That's rubbish. Never eat shredded wheat. It's way better. It rhymes. So when I started a song, you guys remembered it. When I, when I said one letter in some cases, a few of you guys remembered the rest of the song. I think that's incredible. And you know what the even more incredible thing is? God knew that, and he deliberately created music as an amazing mnemonic, mnemonic to help us remember his words, the words of truth. In Deuteronomy 31, old Moses is about to die. He's about to lie with his fathers, as they say in the Old Testament. And um, God's like, yo, you're about to die. And Joshua's going to take over. I'm going to make him strong and courageous. Don't worry about it. And he said, but the people of Israel are going to look at the land of milk and honey and be like, nah, I'm going to worship 
the guy on the pole and the Baal guy, and I'm going to do my own thing. Thank you very much. So here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to write a song. And in this song, I want you to teach the people about the truth of who I am. And it'll be a witness to my power and my strength. And it says in verse 21, in Deuteronomy 31, And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, the Israelites, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. It will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. Jesus, oh God, sorry, knew when he created music, when he created melody and rhythm, that it would be a powerful mnemonic, a powerful way for us to remember And you know, when, when you memorize or when you have learned words, it kind of takes away another obstacle on our path to beholding him. You know, I don't know, sometimes you spend so long, I spend so long staring at the words on the screen, I don't actually know what I'm singing, I'm just reading the words. But there's something about when we memorize the songs and we can just focus on him, it's easier for us to express. It's easier for us to behold All right, that's it. I'm at the end of my talk. So my two points are we become what we behold. Jesus is so worthy of all our worship. He's the reason. He's everything. But in his goodness, in his grace, in his love for us, he turns it around as a blessing for us. And as we gaze upon him, as we affirm the words that we sing to him and over ourselves, we are transformed by his spirit from glory to glory. Hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus, for the power of music. What a gift he created for us that enables us to express, that gives us space to express, to think about what we're worshiping, um, to think about who we're worshiping, think about what we're saying and give us the vehicle to be able to do that more effectively. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you so much for the gift of music. What a beautiful gift for us to enjoy you with. Thank you for the power of worship. Thank you for the chance to be able to give you glory, to submit to you, to adore you. Thank you that you transform us as we behold you. Soften our hearts, Father. Thank you for the freedom that we live in in this country to be able to gather together as family and worship. What a blessing and a privilege, Father. Amen.